we're moving forward now, and we'll see how much of this we can get through. Probably not all of it today. Um, but there's six descriptions of the fear of the Lord, and we've, we've said we we're handling it this way because just to give you one definition it, 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 for a subject that's so important, so essential to our Christian lives, and yet so massive, it's very hard to define it in just one brief um, paragraph or sentence or two. We talked last week as we ended, what are some of the ways you would describe the fear of the Lord? And we went through that after all of the all of the things that we've looked at and we sort of discussed that. And here's a, a definition that tries to take into account all the different aspects. I, I think most definitions would fall short in taking, um, taking into view all of the aspects, which is exactly why so many books are written on this. So many books are written on the fear of the Lord because it like, takes a book to, to unfold it all. And yet we have the book that's unfolded it for us. And so what an amazing and blessed thing that is. And that's what we've been doing. So here's a definition. Um, The fear of the Lord is at the top of your handout. The fear of the Lord is that heart attitude which is humbly submitted to, stands in awe of, and by faith joyfully lives in light of all that God has revealed to us and done for us. I, I think that's a, I think that's a pretty thorough um, definition. I, um, I embrace that, and so it's there for you to consider. And we're going to look at uh, six descriptions that that. This tries to describe, but just in a little fuller method. In the, the six descriptions, you can see there, I think I've got them all on, on one sheet. You can pray for me to know what to skip because you've got them on one sheet. I have them on ten. Well, maybe nine. And if I decide to labor all nine sheets, then we'll finish this section up about 4th of July. <laughs> so, but it's that much. It's that important. Okay, so... Uh, anyhow, the, the the fear of the Lord um, in these six descriptions requires his revelation. Um, it, it requires uh, an understanding of his character, and I'm, we're going to look at several character areas. Um, it's it's um, happy, happy and humble and trusting, and it's a submission. Um, it's the summation of all of God's standards that. It's closely connected to faith. It's not different than faith. It's not something we add to our faith. It's, it's the outflow of our faith. So we want to make sure we have that straight. And it's the most joyful and delightful way to live. To, to live in the fear of the Lord is, is not this trembling fear that I'm running from him. I'm afraid that, that he's going to somehow stamp me out like a bug. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful um, delight to know in depth our Father who art in heaven. And so we're going to look at these and see if we can't make some sense of it. So the fear of the Lord requires God's revelation. We've already talked about that. Proverbs 1 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And we looked, remember, we went into Job and everything else. God is the only one 
that can reveal himself. He is the only one that has true wisdom, and he's given it to us in a book. If God doesn't reveal it to us, we would have no way of knowing, but God does reveal himself to us, and as a result of that, we can grow in the fear of the Lord. Notice in the book, the Bible, verse 7, the fear of the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, or Yahweh. God is a covenant-keeping God, and he's made a covenant with his people, and that, that covenant is something that he that he won't break. We live in the new covenant. We have a covenant relationship with God that he instituted and is poured out in all of its facets on the gospel. He took care of our sin. It's paid in full. We're, we're looking in detail through Romans where we see our union with Christ and the fact now that that we are dead to sin. Not dying to sin, we're dead to sin. And we're, we're identifying with Christ and we identify with his death and he died and we died. He died for our sin. Your sin and my sin. He died for our sin. And he was buried and he rose victorious over the grave and he lives forever. And that's us. We have eternal life if we're in the gospel. What a glorious, wonderful um, thing. But if he didn't reveal that to us, and if he didn't give us that grace, then we would still be lost and dead in our sins. And so the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the knowledge. And, and that, that knowledge begins with the, the great I am. I am who I am. He's the Yahweh. He's the covenant-keeping God. And he's... He's holy. He's the one we talked about where he said to Moses, take off your sandals, you're, you're on holy ground. And he has a great salvation. So, as I said, we, we, we tremble, but we tremble in awe. And we, we, we rejoice in the fact that we have a relationship with him through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that there are billions of people that spin prayer wheels and and rosaries and everything else, and they pray the Lord's Prayer. And they think, I did this big sin. If I pray this prayer 75 times, somehow I'll work my way up to heaven. That's going on all over the world. But we have a covenant relationship with God where we come to God understanding that's a model. And how does that begin? What a wonderful way it begins. Our Father who art in heaven. Holy is your name. And, and we have that relationship with him because of him, because of Christ, because he initiated it and he took it to the end. It's, it's all of him. And so that causes us to grasp um, the fact that this fear of the Lord involves a relationship. It's a relationship with God. If you don't have a relationship with God, it's a completely different kind of fear, and you should be afraid because the wrath of God still abides on you, and only His grace keeps you from hell. But those of us who have been delivered, our fear is completely different. I think I mentioned it before, but it's probably a little bit, in a, in a human sense, trying to use a human illustration, maybe like the fear and the reverence I had for my dad. My dad was my hero. I loved my dad. I knew my dad loved me. But my dad could look across the room of 500 people and give me a look look. And all of a sudden I had the fear of the Lord. Anybody relate? Okay. 
I'm, I, I, Dad would never not love me. Dad would never stamp me out like a bug, but I didn't, I'd, I, I better not fool what he's told me to do either. Uh, it's, it's, it's that kind. When my dad looked across the room at me, he looked at me in that way because he loved me and he was helping me. He was giving me a warning. It didn't cause me to run from my dad. What good would have that done? Well, what, how, what good does it do for us to run from God? God wants us to run to him with open arms, acknowledging who he, who he is. And so that's, that's the sense. But if he doesn't reveal himself to us, uh, we never know that. Psalm 19, 9 through 7. I have the verses here, so you'd have to try to turn. I don't know if you can turn that fast. So if it's easier for you to listen, then just listen. I'm reading from Psalm 19, verse 7 through 9. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, and they are righteous altogether. Moses in Deuteronomy 4.10 writes, Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Herb, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days on the earth, and that they might teach them to their children. God reveals himself through his word. That's how we get to know God, through his word. That's why he tells us as believers we're to renew our mind daily so we're not conformed to this world, but we're transformed. That's why David in Psalms, well, I say David, the psalmist in Psalm 1 says, whoever wrote that, that we are to meditate day and light, night, that we might be like a tree that's planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in every season of life. It doesn't matter if there's heat or whether there's snow or rain or whatever it is, we'll bring forth fruit. And whatever we do will prosper. Prosper in the sense that we'll be walking with God. And that's all because he revealed himself to us. And so we know that. And of course the implication is there um, the way to get to know him better is the way to fear him more in the proper sense of the way, and that's to dig into the book. That's to take his, his word seriously and to embrace his truth. Secondly, the fear of the Lord consists of an intimate knowledge of God's character. We learn all kinds of things and we experience all kinds of things and we hear people tell us, but God has revealed to us his character. We can know God's character. We can know his attributes because he tells us in his word. And then we must bring our feelings, our thinking, into alignment with what God has declared about himself. And then that will help us to fear him properly. And so that takes some work. The fear of the Lord is essentially faith in what God has revealed about his person. Look at one seven again. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, 
but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We have to know something. And God's given us a book where we can know about him. Knowing God. The knowledge of the holy. Um, books, awesome books, are, have been written by Packard and Tozer and, and, and others about this truth. But God's written us a perfect book. Every time man writes a book, though it may be good, it's not God's book. And this book is perfect, and it helps us to know him. And we can only know him intimately as we understand his different attributes, how he responds, how he thinks, because God doesn't change. You and I change. We're like the blowing wind. We don't want to be that way, but we are unless we anchor our soul to the cleft of the rock. But God never changes. He's immutable. And if God said he loved you, he's going to love you forever. And God's faithful. We want to be faithful, but we're not. But God's always faithful. God's good. Sometimes, by grace, we're good and kind and all those other things. But we fall short of that, don't we? But God's always good. He's always wise. He's always all-powerful. He uses all that power always for his glory and the good of his people. Always. I have power, influence, human wisdom, as all of you do, but I can't sit here and say I always use it for God's glory and for the goods of my brothers and sisters. I wish I could. I want to. But we all fall short in that, don't we? But God never falls short. So the more we study his attributes, the more we get to know him, the more that fear, that awe, that appreciation of who he is, his person, his character, will then grow in our hearts And that verse that we love to quote, he that began a good work in me will be performed until the day of Jesus Christ, Philippians 1, 6. He that began that good work, what's that work? Becoming like Christ. Becoming God-like. Never God, but God-like. Like him and his attributes and the way he, the way he lives, the way, the way he thinks, which he's revealed to us in his, in his book. Look at verse 29, first chapter of Proverbs. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. He's given us a book. He reveals himself, and it's in that book. We can choose to grow in knowing him. Those that are lost, they don't want to hear it. Look at Proverbs 2.5. read this to you once before. But Then you shall discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. And he is a shield to those who walk in integrity. This is our God. He reveals himself, and we need to get to know him. And there is no other way to know him other than his word. And so we need to be tuned in as we look at his word for his character. I listed a few here. Um, we, we need to get to know um, an, intimate, an intimate knowledge of his glory. Um, I put a number of verses there, but God's glory is most frequently 
referred to as manifestations or, or the attributes of the way he has revealed himself and exhibited who he is. Christ came and declared in the temple, I am he. And, and he said he, he came and he would deliver the captives. He would, he would heal the blind. He would, he would do all those things. And then did he do them? He, he, he could walk on water. He could speak to the storm and, the, and it would be peace be still. He could feed the thousands from a few loaves. He could heal the blind. He could raise the dead. He could do those things because he was God. And, and getting to know that every one of those things brought him glory. And so we need, to, we need to get to know that glory. Deuteronomy 28, 58 says, If you are not careful to observe all the words of this law, which were written in this book, to fear and honor the awesome name of the Lord God. I read that and I studied it. And see, I can't, I can't go down this rabbit trail too long because it just takes me too long. But I, I then did a word study, both the Greek and the Hebrew, of the word that's basically translated awesome. And I got really convicted. Um, and so I don't want to make a big point here, but I think I use the word awesome way too often. I, we just sort of do that, and we don't think anything about it. And I'm, I'm not sitting here telling you to do anything wrong. All right, I'm not trying to make. I didn't just turn into a legalist. But what I'm getting at is, when you start looking at at, at the word, the, the word "awesome" always refers to who God is and what God's done. That's what it refers to all through the Scripture. Because it's like, how do you describe this God who is so wonderful, so magnificent, so? How do you describe the plagues in Egypt as he delivers his people? He was what? Awesome! And so it's the word that uses to describe that. And so I'm afraid I've been guilty at times. I told you, don't treat God lightly. I don't want to treat him lightly. And I I know there was no ill intent in my heart. And if you say it, I'm not going to say anything. And you might catch me again. But sometimes we just have to grow in maturity. Because... I'm liable to say pizza is awesome. Well, pizza being awesome, being compared to the awesomeness of God is almost an insult, isn't it? I didn't mean it as an insult. And again, don't take too much about what I'm saying, but I just want you to see God is awesome. And that's, that's the way he describes himself in his book. He is, he is awesome. His name is, is awesome. Knowing his glory. Psalm 102.15 says, So the nations will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth his glory. Do you remember Moses? Moses talked to God face to face. And in Exodus 33, Moses had enough. You know, I don't know, was Moses nuts? No, he loved Christ. He loved the he loved the Lord. And Moses said, "I pray you, show me your glory." You remember that in, in Exodus? 
And, and God goes into a dissertation and loves the faith of Moses. And basically says, Moses, if I showed you my glory, you'd be consumed in an instant. But, this is Larry Brody translation. I, God, delight in people of faith. I, God, delight in people who delight in me. Who want to know me. And so Moses, I want to do something for you. I've never done for anybody up to that point. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. And I'm going to pass by and you'll see my hinder parts. What does that mean? I don't know what it means. So please go ask Brother Sims or somebody else. But I'm going to tell you this. When Moses ended up spending time with God... There were times after he came off the mountain, they had to veil his face because the glory of God just just shone from Moses. May I tell you, can we bring that to a New Testament? Christ in me, the hope of what? Glory. When I live the fullness of the Christian life, the, the glory of God and the way I conduct myself in the assembly and in the world demonstrates the glory of God because man can't do that apart from the grace of, of God. That's why in the New Testament it says whether you eat or whether you drink or whatsoever you do, you do for the what? The glory of God. Yeah. Getting to understand his glory. Number three, I'm not going to do number three, I'm just going to introduce it because I see I'm out of time. Um, no, not number three, I don't mean number three, I mean the um, intimate knowledge of his creatorship. Well, I will go through it, take me one minute. We spent a lot of time here, but God is the creator. He spoke it all into existence. Again, I don't mean to be trite about it, but it's how I talk to myself. He's the potter, I'm the clay. He's the master, I'm the slave. He owns it all, including me. I deserve nothing, he deserves everything. God, make me and use me in your likeness. Make me the man of God you've called me to be. Grant me the grace to be obedient. You are the creator. You get to make the rules. You made me. You were glorious. And I'm so very grateful that, that in all of that, you saved me. Uh, that they're acknowledging his, his glory and his creatorship even in heaven around the throne. And, and we'll join that one day. So um, a unique understanding of his creatorship um, is something that would bring us all blessing. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads and myriads of thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And everything which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the things in them. And I heard saying, to him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion 
forever and ever. His glory, his creatorship, he is he is God alone and there's none like him. And that's where we'll pick up next week. God bless you. You are dismissed. <laughs>